It's a trap! Hello and welcome to Radio TCX, your weekly source for X-Wing news and strategy. I'm your host, John McDermott, and this week is going to be an interesting one. Uh, Tim and Carson both decided that they trusted me enough to run an episode without them for the very first time. Uh, So that's going to be fun. But uh, because I believe that the episode always needs at least one person who knows what they're talking about, I have invited on a special guest host, uh, Andy Myers. Hello there. I appreciate your confidence. Uh, And I'm so excited to chat with you, John, about all these fun X-Wing topics that we have uh, lined up for your listeners today. Yeah, I'm excited to have Andy on here. Uh, We've been covering the contents of AMG's mini stravaganza for the past few weeks, and hopefully this week we're going to finish it out. We have a couple more cards to talk about and then some other competitive play information. Um, Andy, before we start, is there anything that you would like to plug? Yeah, if your listeners would like to engage in some more X-Wing content, they can go to youtube.com and search for Glitterstim ASMR, which is a X-Wing specific ASMR channel on YouTube. And it's kind of a bizarre art project I started uh, eight or nine or 10 months ago and uh, still making videos. We just recently started a new side project called paint casual featuring josh ackerman and uh unlike paint wars on gold squadron podcast where they do all these you know fancy competitions this is strictly casual uh the first episode has josh painting a fang fighter which we're going to talk about fang fighters later in this episode uh and so yeah it's about two and a half hour video of Josh Ackerman painting a fang fighter. So if you're into painting sounds and that stuff or whispering, check out Glitterstim ASMR on YouTube. Yeah, I can definitely confirm that it is a, a very interesting YouTube channel. Uh, however, it is hilarious. Um, <laughs> and yeah, Josh is a great painter. I think uh, if you're interested in painting ships, you should definitely check that out on YouTube. Um, so yeah, but We've got some stuff to talk about from AMG yet to wrap out the mini extravaganza. So let's jump right in and do that. All right. So Andy, because you have not been on the last couple episodes where we've talked about what AMG has kind of spoiled or given us, uh, I wanted to take just a minute or two to kind of get your thoughts and opinions on some of the changes that AMG has issued forth. So uh, I'll give you the floor and you can kind of just give us your brief synopsis on how you're feeling about what's coming for X-Wing. Thanks, John. And yeah, I am all aboard the AMG train. The first night, you know, Thursday night when they were making the announcements, uh, I was a little skeptical, had some concerns, you know, change is hard, new things, uh, you know, apprehension, I would say. Um, And then as I thought more about how I engage in X-Wing and uh, why I enjoy the game and the various uh, events that I choose to participate in, I realize that the changes that they are making are they're at least beneficial to me from a enjoyment standpoint. I am excited to 
not have to worry about the bid anymore. I'm excited for not having to worry about who's first player uh, <laughs> and just leaving that up to, to chance. And I am very excited about all the new content that they've announced. Uh, I'm very interested in what uh, will go on a banned or restricted list. And we'll talk about that later. Um, the thing that impressed me the most about their X-Wing specific presentation was that it's very clear that despite being a small team, the team that is in charge, Chris Plummer and, and everybody else, uh, really seems to care about X-Wing and the future of X-Wing as a healthy game. One reason that we had uh, to go to a second edition was because the uh, inflexibility of printing points on the cards and the uh, ramp up of uh, power creep towards the end of first edition, that transition to second edition made this game healthier. And now the changes that AMG is making, such as uh, the ones we I just mentioned, are continuing in that spirit of keeping this game fresh and uh, enjoyable for new players, enjoyable for veteran players, enjoyable for the people who like you and I, John, uh, travel for X-Wing because we're crazy people and, <laughs> uh, and, and bad with money apparently. And, uh, and then also for the people that enjoy this game on a casual level once a week, once a month uh, with just a specific group of friends uh, with a community at large. Um, there's, I'm hopeful for the future of X-Wing. And that was something leading up to the mini extravaganza that I uh, was worried about. Um, so yeah, that's, that's my rambling long thought. Sorry uh, for taking up so much of your listeners time and Tim, feel free to edit whatever you like. No, I think that's great. And I, I like uh, to kind of your honest reaction to all of it. I think that's a very normal reaction whenever big changes or new things are coming, you know, kind of met with skepticism at first and then that general acceptance and then even excitement about what's coming, I think is what really kind of drives the game forward. You know, I think if, if every decision was met, you know, without some hesitation or resistance, then, you know, we'd just get a lot of the same. So I think that, you know, this is a big step forward into, you know, bringing some elements into the game that feel very different and will, you know, shake up how second edition feels, um, you know, going into, I guess it would be its third year already, which is uh, pretty nuts. Absolutely. Yeah, because second edition was the fall of 2018 and it is now the fall of 2021. Oh, so, so we've, we've had a we've had a three years of doing this. Uh, it's and so yeah, we're entering the fourth year of second edition. We've already had a b- huge truckload of cards and ships uh, that have either been re-released or newly released. And so uh, eventually, we'll talk about like some banned or restricted cards. Uh, just one of those ways that AMG is going to be able to uh, shepherd this game along into the future um, with a with the health of the game in mind and, and the, the enjoyment, some of the other things we'll talk about uh, the different scenarios or the, the different um, tournament packs and those types of things. Uh, those are all uh, new and exciting things. So. 
And I think that's a good segue. You mentioned uh, truckloads of content. Uh, <laughs> you know, of course, over that stream, they did spoil um, some of the cards for the Razor Crest coming for the Scum Faction. Uh, we talked about the Gauntlet Fighter that's coming for multiple factions. But uh, we have two things left here to talk about that we didn't get a chance to last week. Um, we have a card pack coming for new Fang Fighters and Thai LN Fighters, which is pretty exciting because it's not often we get new pilots for either of these ships. Absolutely. I love Fang Fighters. As I mentioned earlier, that was the first ship that I wanted uh, repainted um, to have kind of a unique uh, Fang Fighter. So having a Fang Fighter that is able to be flown in both the Scum Faction and now the Rebel Faction, very exciting. Um, And it's great to see new TIE Fighter pilots. I am... Uh, thrilled, even as a non-Empire player, uh, I'm thrilled to have that the Empire players have more opportunities. Um, so sh- let's talk about the f- the Tie Fighter first, John. We've got the Initiative Four ISB Jingoist. The subtitle being Heartless Enforcer. So, uh, John, I had to look this up. Do you know what the word Jingoist means? Yeah, isn't it? Uh, it's like an extreme like patriot or something like that, right? Um, yes. Yep. Like a fanatic patriot. almost. Yeah, so... Uh, sorry, Tim, edit, edit my... So, yeah, oh, because that's... Not as <laughs> John got it right. Of course, I, I John, lo- got, I, John gets every right. <laughs> I love this uh, running dialogue of you telling Tim what to edit. I love that. Just keep it going. <laughs> Hyperspace hazards dominator john mcdermott of course got uh the definition of a word right i am a star wars expert but not an english one so um (laughs) but as an empire player myself i am pretty excited about this ship so as you said it was uh initiative four um and this i believe andy correct me if i'm wrong is the first imperial ship to um, feature the pip system which we have seen in a couple other factions namely the separatists that limit this uh, to two ships only of this type. Yeah, I believe you're right. And that's probably because most of the Imperial ships that we have were released in the conversion kit. Am I wrong? I don't believe you are. I think that's accurate. (laughs) And then anything that they've um, reprinted in 2.0 has just basically been reprints of things from the conversion kit. So maybe for the exception of the tie brute, and I don't think any of those are limited by pips in any way. But yeah, this is exciting. Uh, it's a, I guess you could call it a named pilot. Uh, it has a ship ability, which is pretty interesting. It reads, before you engage, you may choose one enemy ship in your primary firing arc at range 0 to 1. If you do, that ship gains one deplete or strain token of your choice unless it chooses to remove one green token. So a little bit of text there, but a relatively straightforward ability. Absolutely. This is fitting very nicely into that Inferno Squadron I-4 swarm. You're basically setting up the other TIE Fighters or some of your lower initiative TIE Fighters so that um, maybe the ISB Jingoists don't hit hard. But if you bring two of them, uh, most ships don't have 
two green tokens, right? So you're, if you shoot with uh, the first one uh, before you engage, uh, the enemy ship at range one that you're staring in the face has to maybe remove the green token or they take a deplete or a strain token. Um, all of those options sound great for the ISB Jingoist. And then if you have that second one right next to it, then that ship has to take that same choice again, right? So um, so you're setting up for a better shot that follows it up. Um, or it could be a defensive play, right? So if the uh, if you end up right in, your, in front of one of the ships that has a, a target lock focus on you or something like that, now you can force them to get rid of their green token so that their incoming shot uh, at high three or below is going to be less damaging to your three hull TIE fighter. And we've talked on the show before, I believe in an episode with me and Carson about just the strength of initiative four right now. There are so many good initiative four pilots in the game uh, in both formats, hyperspace and extended to choose from. And what I like about this guy being at I four specifically is that that ability does work at range zero. So even if it gets blocked and, you know, it was blocked by a lower initiative ship that was able to get a green token. Uh, good luck uh, at the start of engagement. It may not be shooting you, but it's still going to make you choose to get rid of that green token or take the deplete or strain, which will, again, set up better shots for the ships that maybe came in behind it and did not bump. Absolutely. I think the ISB Jingoists will, depending on points, of course, all of our discussion is going to be with that asterisk, but... Um, this will be a great tool against aces and against swarms, right? So if if you're worried about uh, facing off against Fenrau, let's say, um, and Fenrau didn't have the opportunity to spend the focus token or wanted to save it for defense, which as a Fenrau scum player, I can't tell you the number of times I've saved that focus for defense uh, begrudgingly. Um, having these ISB Jingoists remove that token and then follow up with subsequent shots uh that's pretty scary um and then against the swarm players especially you know against maybe some droids or some uh some other cheap uh blockers you know the i1s or i3s even um that dive in there get their green token and try and block you just like you said range zero works great and since you mentioned Fen Rao, uh, the other card we have had spoiled to us that we haven't covered yet uh, is actually Fen Rao in the Fang Fighter, but for the Rebel faction. So that's pretty exciting for you Rebel players. Um, he's coming in at Initiative 6 again, like his scum counterpart. And I believe he's still Initiative 6 in the Sheathapede shuttle. Um, but this is interesting. So this is the only Fang Fighter that we've seen so far for Rebels. It shares the Concordia face-off ability with its scum counterpart, being able to get that evade when you're in your attacker's primary arc at range one. Um, different ability here, though. So this ability reads, before a friendly ship at range one to two engages, if there's an enemy ship in its front-firing arc at range one, that friendly ship may remove one non-lock red token. Yeah, this Fenrau ability, similar to the uh, other pilots that we've seen um, that have crossed factions like Ahsoka Tano, where in their original faction, they are a little bit more selfish. 
Fenrau and the scum faction getting those extra dice at range one. Uh, when they move to the rebels, they are now suddenly uh, benefiting their neighbors and less so themselves. So um, I feel like this is a very comparable through line to uh, characters moving to the rebel faction. So when you think about a rebel swarm right now, uh, right now it, the the meta was like what four ships that have seventy green tokens between them, right? Something like that. Something ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> but occasionally one of them would get stressed, or they would, uh, you know, maybe you flew through a gas cloud and you get strained or something like that. Um, but generally speaking, it's going to be that stress token that you're removing, unless this is uh, an ability that um, is going to cooperate or, or synergize with another couple upgrade cards that we might see in some of these other upcoming packs. That uh, uh, it seems like the developers are really into this idea of hey, take a strain or a deplete and get a bonus. That seems to be the general theme of the last, what, year and a half of of uh, product and new content, right? Is, yeah, I would say so. And so having somebody like Fen Rao be in the mix with anybody at range one to two, that's a decent sized bubble, especially when you consider that the rebels tend to fly together. Um, if they're all taking stress or strain maybe they all k-turned right behind something and uh before they engage they can remove that stress um and then maybe they k-turn to get out of there you know plenty of opportunities um to utilize this ability my only concern is that it's probably going to be more expensive than it's worth right so the, the you're bringing the ship more for the i6 ace of fenrau um sure so, John, can you remind me of some of the other I six pilots in the Rebel faction? Like, how would this slot in if you were a Rebel player who wanted to try out some aces? Sure. So, this is a very you know kind of knife fight in your face, and then maybe ducking out for a turn or two ship. Um, you know, of course, you've got wedge in the X wing, uh, reducing agility, and the X wing has traditionally always been a very strong chassis. Um, we've seen, you know, Hera in the A-Wing as a very strong new support piece, um, doing very well in Rebel lists. And then, yeah, I guess he's kind of an ace in his own right. You've got Han Solo in the Millennium Falcon, which, you know, we've always seen be successful. Um, all three very strong Initiative 6 pieces that kind of do different things. And, you know, Fen here mixes a little bit of that good support ability with also just, you know, having a really good offensive value you know he's going to get four dice at range one um, and he kind of wants to be at range one to get the ability of that concordia face off off to get that extra defensive power so he, he kind of fits a couple different roles which you know wedge in the x-wing doesn't really wedge is purely offensive supported by his own strong defense of just being an x-wing with you know availability to take regen um, but I think this is going to be pretty interesting for the faction. Um, I would assume because, you know, they kind of announced the Pride of Mandalore pack that this is not the only Fang fighter they'll get. Uh, that's purely speculation on my part. But um, I think he's just going to bring 
uh, some really good tools to the rebel players who want to take higher initiative options that are powerful and do multiple different things. So can we briefly wildly speculate about other products that are going to be in this pack? Sure. Uh, I think there's, there's some ways to do that. Um, they have shown us art, I think, as part of that mini extravaganza stream that we don't have attached to specific cards yet. So just to kind of go through them in shotgun order here, uh, we did see some art of Sabine holding the Darksaber. Uh, we saw some Death Troopers standing in front of the TIE Fighter from the Mandalorian with the, uh, I guess, the solar arrays closed. Um, so that's maybe potentially uh, either Moff Gideon pilot or crew coming. Um, and then maybe a new Sabine crew or pilot coming as well. Yes. And I wouldn't be surprised if there is a rebel Fang uh, fighter piloted by Sabine. Um, I think, F, you know, the developers of, of X-Wing seem to love putting Sabine in every ship, right? So uh, I'll, I'll take Sabine Wren in a Fang fighter. That sounds great. And um, as far as other TIE fighter pilots, um, it's been a couple of years since I've watched Rebels. That seems to be where uh, this product is being kind of called from. But um, plenty of plenty of opportunities for some new named TIE fighter pilots that were featured in that show. Uh, oh, and my other wild speculation that uh, may annoy John here is that I think there will be a Fang fighter for the Separatist faction. Uh, I'm out. That's it. I'm, uh, I'm going uh, to uh, Armada competitively. Thanks, Andy. You're welcome. My logic uh, is that with the release of the gauntlet that we uh, that you guys talked about in your previous episode uh, being for, what, five factions? So far. Uh, so far. <laughs> Good call. That uh, that why not have a, um, a Death Watch separatist fang fighter? Exactly. Uh, why not at this point? Pre-Vizsla um, pre in the fang fighter. Sure. For the separatists, uh, flying just, alongside uh, the gauntlet, I sounds sounds like it'll be in the pack. Or just start making people up. They can do that too. Um, I think uh, if we get Sabine in a Fang Fighter, she has to have a uh, a mediocre to bad ability, right? <laughs> uh, over under on the Sabine Shadowcaster. <laughs> oh my gosh! Okay, <laughs> the unplayable Shadowcaster. Just kidding. I'm sure it's fine in, in some format, but uh, yeah. So Andy, uh, we see here, you know, a, a continuation a little bit in trend with the introduction of the Fang fighter Fen Rao, um, a little bit of blurring of faction identity. And we talked, you know, a little bit last week uh, in our discussion about the gauntlet, about how at least the, the main hosts of TCX here feel about where the status of faction identity is um and i have pretty strong opinions that people don't need to hear rehashed out but uh i think uh, i'd be curious to hear your kind of brief thought on it before we jump into our next point yeah and maybe your listeners already guessed uh from the tone of my voice about uh rebel fan or maybe uh um other fang fighters in different factions i'm actually very excited about the 
kind of blurring of lines of the faction identities because it's to me it means that there are more toys available uh, both literally and figuratively more toys available for each faction um, I originally started out as just a scum and rebels player and over the last couple of years I've started to delve into other factions um, most recently, I picked up the First Order because uh, I was flying Kylo Ren in some of the online uh, tournaments and leagues, and I just thought, this looks like fun. It's it's a fun ship to fly. So I'm excited about having all the different factions and being able to play a swarm in one faction and aces in one faction. It doesn't have to be limited to, oh, Separatists are only the the Vulture droids and maybe some Tups, right? It's... it's uh, got some variety now and i'm excited about cards like hondo onaka which is a unique crew card but it's for any faction and i am excited that there are cards being developed or pilots being developed that uh, can cross factions to be able to be played even if i don't own that one faction Right, I still like the character of Hondo Anaka, so I would have. Uh, but if I wasn't a scum player and he was locked into the scum faction, uh, I would have been a little disappointed. I wouldn't have that tool available. Um, that being said, one of the ways that AMG uh, seems to be feeling that the faction identities can be kind of wrangled in, um, so that they are more clear cut is going to be with the banned and restricted list that they talked about. So I'm excited to hear your thoughts on that, John. Uh, banned and restricted lists. What have what games do you play that you've seen it work? Are there any games that you have <laughs> played that it didn't work? Um, what's the difference between this and just points increasing something out of existence? What are your thoughts on this? Sure. So I, I personally believe that a banned and restricted list for X-Wing is uh, overdue. Um, I have played uh, Crisis Protocol, where they have always implemented a banned and restricted list. And then, you know, I play some uh, Warhammer 40,000, which has a restricted kind of format and that you can only take three of like one specific unit type, right? Um, and I think why it will work well in X-Wing is because, you know, you have different formats, right? We've got hyperspace, we have extended, but then there's just the elements of competitive play and casual play. And I think one of the main selling points of, you know, second edition was having the variable point costs and being able to adjust points without having to print new cards. And that's fine. But I think what you run into then is, you know, you have, let, let's just use Juke as an example. Uh, Juke costs, I believe, seven points, or it did before the points update. Um, and, you know, that might be fair in competitive play. Um, but, you know, if someone just wants to play something, you know, kind of fun or janky in casual play, and they might have to sacrifice other things so they can put Juke in their list, you know, maybe that feels a little more bad right so you could have juke cost let's just call it four points but have it banned or restricted at competitive levels um, where you could only include two copies of it or you just can't include it in your list um, and what's interesting about the restricted lists is it's not necessarily cards that 
can't be used um, kind of in their own form, but you can have certain cards where let's just say if you take juke, then you can't take another upgrade of a certain kind, or you can't take a certain pilot or a certain pilot just can't take juke. Um, those are the kinds of things that abandoned restricted list can do. Um, so I think, I think the real discussion is, um, is the banned or restricted list necessary or should those sorts of limitations simply be fixed by adjusting point costs? Having a banned list will allow Atomic Mass Games to continue to develop new content that will be fun and enjoyable for the game without worrying about cards that were developed six years ago or longer as time goes on um, that they had no control over. So I think that that's why a banned list will be a useful tool. I doubt we'll see a ton of cards put on there right away. It might just be two or three cards. Uh, wouldn't be surprised. And same thing with restricted. Yeah, a couple copies of Juke in a list is fine. Four copies of Juke feels bad. So I know we have the PIP system that's printed on our cards, um, but for competitive play, if there's a restricted list, I think that's totally healthy for the game. Yeah, I'm I'm interested and excited and skeptical and intrigued about uh, you know what the banned and restricted list will look like. Um, you know, maybe in its first iteration, uh, or even when we'll see that, you know, we probably need some hard competitive event data to start even putting things on that list. Um, and AMG doesn't really have much to work with yet because, you know, they've postponed worlds, uh, at least for this year, for sure. Obviously now we're in September. Um, but I think it'll be interesting and, it uh, will do some interesting things to hopefully both competitive and casual level play. All right, Andy. So we're getting close to the end here. We've got a couple things to wrap up still. Um, just generally talking about kind of uh, at least AMG's future of X-Wing. So they, they announced a couple more things. Um, don't have to go super in-depth on, but they are definitely worth mentioning. Um, one of the first things they talked about was they're going to start introducing more competitive scenarios into play, which, you know, for some people may be very exciting. Some people may be skeptical of it at first, but, uh, what, what do you think about that? Competitive scenario play is something I am very excited for as somebody who has really never played other minis games or competitive car games. X-Wing was kind of my first introduction to this type of gameplay. Um, so maybe that's just my ignorance talking, uh, but uh, it sounds like from the other people that I've talked with, and I'm sure, John, you're going to have a, a interesting take on this uh, since you have played a variety of other games. Um, this sounds like it's going to be a great way to keep the game fresh and exciting. Um, I'm looking at going to Adepticon because they had teased something about maybe some narrative play at Adepticon. I don't know. I'm very excited. Let me, let's hear what you have to say because you've had more experience with uh, competitive scenario play. <laughs> uh, sure. Uh, experience uh, thrown out here pretty loosely. But uh, <laughs> I think what scenario play, at least at the competitive level, will do um, is definitely add some more tactical depth and strategic decision-making into the game, uh, which honestly are both 
elements of standard X-Wing, I guess uh, we could call it, uh, that I love. Um, I've played Crisis Protocol, which every game has a scenario. Um, and I've played a lot of 40K, which, you know, if you count objective-based play um, and different rules as a scenario, then every game of 40K is a scenario-based game. So um, I think it'll be interesting. I, I didn't get into X-Wing to play scenarios, but I'm not against it. So I think... I think that'll be an interesting change and, you know, maybe on the less competitive side of things, um, they did also announce kind of the standard squads uh, packs that they're going to release. So they'll have pilots that include standard loadouts and they'll be themed. So the two that they've spoiled so far are the Battle of Yavin and the Siege of Coruscant. So, of course, that sounds like a Rebel and Empire and Separatist and Republic. And what it sounds like is there will be 10 pilots per side um, that you can play out of that pack, and there will be some sort of scenario uh, or objectives-based play within those packs. So that could be the more tabletop, you know, in-your-kitchen type format, um, or they could even introduce these into competitive level tournaments so that could be pretty exciting for people that uh, are into that sort of play as well i think what's cool about these standard squads is that it, it makes accessibility to the game pretty easy so you could show up to a game night at your store and you know you have your your tokens and your templates and maybe just the models um, if you understand what's going to be in the pack and then you know you just open the pack up and you could even do a mini event with this if you wanted to so um, I like that. I think that is interesting for you know both competitive and casual play. Um, but one thing that I think I'm actually also really excited for is the introduction of a campaign system into X-Wing. So uh, it will be something new that maybe we haven't seen before. Um, and the idea is that you can choose ships and customize the pilots that are in those ships and Personally, I think that's really exciting. I think that'll be really fun and different. Absolutely. I may not have a lot of experience with other minis games or hyper-competitive games, but over the last few years, I've really enjoyed um, some of the narrative games that I've played or role-playing games that I've dived into where I create a character, whether that's in some sort of D&D style character creation, or it's in some sort of, you know, video game, having, you know, one character that I can identify with and come back to from game to game and have it, uh, that character be shaped over a period of time with some sort of arc uh, that I can follow, or even just Let's run this event and gain, you know, uh, if we succeed, everybody gets uh, an extra copy of Proton Torpedoes for their next scenario or something like that. Uh, I'm very excited for the campaign style gameplay to be introduced uh, officially into X-Wing. I know that there was the um, HOTAC Heroes of the Atari Cluster in first edition. That was something that was out that I was still pretty new at the game. Didn't know anybody else who played it. I didn't want to mess around with having to print off all the beautiful assets that they produced. Um, so thank you to those uh, developers. Um, and my guess is that 
either FFG or AMG are maybe not lifting directly from Hotec, but uh, but are, are you know in, inspired to to design uh, gameplay opportunities for X-wing players that are along those narrative campaign lines. And uh, I'm here for it. I, I'll be the first in line uh, to to check that out. And I may not be a dungeon master, but I definitely enjoy creative narrative games and uh, getting to know my fellow game players uh, more more thoroughly. I think that that you really build those uh, friendly relationships um, with people who you play games with and having it always be competitive like X-Wing is now, right? Even, even if it's just a friendly casual game, one mm-hmm. of you is going to be the winner, right? Sure. Where, whereas if you're playing a narrative style game or a campaign where it's a, you're on a team, uh, then you're building those friendly relationships in a different way. It may not be any more meaningful or, or anything like that, but just, just in a different way where you're, you're interacting, uh, where you're working together, um, or you're, you're telling a, a larger story that you can all relate to, uh, later, or you can say, Hey, remember that time that we did X, Y, Z in whatever. Um, I'm, I'm excited for that. And I think too, what I like about this uh, introduction of campaign play is it it shows that AMG is at least willing to go back and look at um, community supported content that was created, uh, not you know within FFG, and to draw inspiration from that and you know bring it into the game. Um, and I think that that just it opens up a lot of interesting design space, and it's just a good show of faith um, in the community from AMG that uh, they want to keep everybody involved and, and try to offer something to as many people as they can uh, for this game that we've all uh, definitely come to love over the years. One last thing before we close out the show uh, from the AMG stream is that they did say they are going to start trying to uh, work on reprinting ships that didn't make the jump from first edition to second edition. So, of course, we've seen a couple reprints come out, um, but there is still a breadth of content that has not seen second edition re-releases and AMG has said that that is something they are going to work on. So while it may not be new content, it will be second edition content for ships that maybe were only accessible in the conversion kits, which will make uh, getting into different factions with ships that people really want to play just a little bit easier. Absolutely. We talked about the health of the game and you know, banned and restricted lists. And, you know, there's a lot of tools that AMG has at its disposal um, to help shape this game to be friendly to new players and to veterans. That's including the in the competitive scene. Um, and while I'm sure reprinting ships was not very profitable for Fantasy Flight or Asmodee, uh, I still th- believe it's a great way to help those new players uh, enter into the game and realize how much fun a lot of those ships that haven't been reprinted are. Um, speaking of which, I think uh, I, I want to hear John. I want to hear your one ship that hasn't been reprinted that you can't wait for them to reprint. And I also want all of the listeners to go to Radio TCX's Facebook page and leave a comment on 
which ship you're most excited for. Um, also, I think John is in charge of Radio TCX Twitter page or something like that. So you can also go tweet at him. But John, what's your what's your one ship that you just can't wait? Ooh, that's that's a good question. Um, for for those dedicated listeners who have stuck with us for a while, uh, I have a scum list that I am uh, quite fond of. That uh, two thirds of it have been uh, kind of re released, I guess, in the form of the Fang Fighter and the uh, Hawk. Um, I am excited to see the G1A uh, get reprinted. Uh, I love Forlom, probably one of my favorite pilots in the game, and I would love to see the uh, the model get either an updated paint scheme or maybe a slightly new sculpt or whatever it is, um, or even have a little bit of new content in it. That would be cool. Um, but I think that would have to be my pick. That's a great pick. My favorite ship uh, that I can't wait for them to reprint but I'm also kind of hoping it's one of the later reprints just because of how silly this ship is, is the quad jumper. Uh, it's just one of my favorite ships. It came out shortly after I started going to uh, local game nights. It was the first ship I got after like a play till midnight and then get the new ships at, at midnight uh, release party. Um, quad jumpers have, are just so much fun to fly and, uh, I'm excited for that to be uh, reprinted. Hopefully some new content. Wouldn't mind seeing some new pilots. Um, and yeah, that. thanks for listening to me ramble about quad jumpers for a moment. Andy, thanks so much for uh, jumping on this week and joining in with me to talk about some of the last of the AMG stuff. Um, I, I know I couldn't have done it alone. That also would have just been a very boring episode. And uh, it's always a pleasure to chat X-Wing with you and uh, hear what you have to think about some of the upcoming changes. John, thank you so much for inviting me to chat with you tonight. I had a wonderful time and I'm sure your listeners heard that in not only the tone of my voice, but also how I excitedly just rambled on. So I appreciate them sticking around for what I'm sure is a much longer episode than you anticipated. Uh, thank you so much to Tim for editing all the things that I said, Hey, Tim, you need to edit that out. Uh, sorry about that. You did a great job, I'm sure. And uh, so congratulations again to Tim. Maybe he'll keep this in, maybe he won't, but um, he just uh, celebrated his marriage to Kaylee, and I'm so excited for the two of them. Congratulations. And uh, yeah, uh, thank you again so much, John. Uh, I love listening to you guys every week, and I'm excited to hear what you think about the points when uh, you get to that episode, which I believe you teased as next week. Is that correct? Uh, that is the plan, I believe, unless something significant changes. and. Uh... Yeah, we'll uh, we'll have to see. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Radio TCX. If you like the podcast, please go on to facebook.com slash Radio TCX and like our Facebook page. Also, please consider going on iTunes and leaving the show a five-star review, saying what you liked and why you think other people should listen. And if you want to support the show directly, please consider going on to patreon.com slash Radio TCX and becoming a supporter of the show today. It really means a lot to us, and thank you to everyone who has supported us so far. Again, folks, thanks for listening, and we will talk to you next week.